Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Tuesday, May 19th. We begin with a look ahead to today's CBE 2021 budget meeting. Global News reporter Lauren Pullen joins us with details on what the numbers may look like. Next, we have our weekly chat with Sandeep Lali, President and CEO of the Calgary Chamber. We hear reaction from Sandeep on how local businesses are faring now a few days into our limited reopening. For Canadians living with cancer, COVID-19 can elevate mental health issues as well as social and physical isolation. We hear details on a new hub for cancer patients to help get those battling the disease access to the important resources they require. And finally, the Calgary Zoo is getting set to reopen this weekend. We'll find out what changes you can expect to see as the zoo follows the current social distancing protocols. 709 on the morning news. The CBE will meet today to discuss funding for the next school year. The board says despite a $20 million increase in provincial funding, the money is actually less per student than two years ago. With a look at today's meeting, we're joined by Global News reporter Lauren Pullen. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning, Andrew. A, a big agenda and lots to deal with on today's agenda, isn't there? Yeah, a whole lot to deal with. And of course, COVID-19 is obviously going to be coming up in these discussions and next steps there because we don't have a clear picture about what back to school will actually look like for kids when they in fact get there. And we don't have an idea of what the money will look like when we get to that point either. I mean, Lauren, we found out on Friday that, uh, you know, busing expenses are going to go up dramatically for the 2021 year. What are we expecting to hear in the budget? Do we have any indication whether there may be further cuts, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, a whole lot to go over. Uh, One of the big things is we don't know what the classroom situation will look like. Those physical distancing guidelines that may be put into place by the province. How many kids can even still be in a classroom? Are there going to need to be more teachers hired to be able to accommodate that? And then, as you mentioned, Sue, the big question is where does the money come come from for all of that? On paper, as you mentioned, Andrew, the CBE is actually getting a boost in funding from the province. But it says it's going to have more more students in the system next year, and they're adding three new schools. So their per-child funding is actually expected to go down due to their calculations. And that will uh, translate into budget restrictions and lead to changes in programs and potentially staff positions. When it comes to timing of all of that, that is all finalized after the budget deliberations wrap up. So they're going to be talking about the budget for the next few days here and then signing on the dotted line by the end of the month. Those are the provincial guidelines that are in place right now. And then the CBE telling me that by the end of June, that is when any staffing adjustments will be made. But again, with the COVID-19 situation and everything just as fluid as it is, there's no way to know what the needs will be. And uh, some guidance from the province is going to be needed pretty quickly here to prepare for when that back to school date is, if it is in fact in September. Again, still waiting for a lot of details after today's meeting, but on paper with the uh, talk of increased students and uh, decreased funding, uh, when you bottom line it, you had some reaction over the weekend, I understand, from Barb Silva of Support Our Students. What did she say uh, about initial uh, comments? Yeah, I mean, it's an incredibly difficult situation for everyone to take in. Um, some of those busing changes that we discussed uh, last week when that did come out meant that some kids may not be able to take the specialized programs that they've tried to enroll in because their parents won't be able to pay those extra hundreds of dollars to get them on a bus to get there. The big push from Barb when I spoke with her yesterday about all this was now is the time to be asking 
for more from the province or from whatever level of government could possibly be giving more because we have this health concern, this health pandemic right now. Those classroom sizes, those more teachers, putting nurses back into schools, upping safety regulations and having more cleaning supplies. Parents have the power right now, according to her. So this is the time for parents to step up and start speaking out to our province, to our leaders and see if, you know, there'll be more money and but even more so just no layoffs, no further cuts. Yeah, so she is urging everyone to write their MLA and even for the school boards to potentially have a bit of wiggle room. They are, for the most part, pretty conservative, towing a party line for for what they're given. But uh, Barb says with with. So many bailouts happening in so many industries to try and keep everything afloat. Education is crucial to every single parent and to the future of our province. So she feels that that push should be made to be giving more funding to education, especially at this critical time. To your point, uh, today is the initial meeting and we had uh, the busing information released on Friday. This isn't going to be a get all the answers after today. This is going to, as you mentioned, is it uh, six weeks basically till the end of June we're talking to really see where things and where the chips will fall? Yeah, so in terms of the budget itself, uh, right now, it under the guidelines that are in place right now, they are it is supposed to be signed on the dotted line and finished by the end of May. And then during that month's time is when uh, the principals and the school staff are going to be going over their collective allocations and what kind of money they have to make those very difficult choices by the end of June to prepare, again, for what we're thinking could be a September start. But there's just so many questions mm-hmm. right now because we don't know what's going to happen with COVID-19 and what that's going to mean for for classrooms and for students. And another thing I did ask CBE is, have they looked at things like what post-secondary institutions are doing? They are doing partially online, partially back to class. Is that is that a solution? It's just too early right now for the public school board to be able to weigh in on that because they are still really awaiting the guidance from health officials and, and from the province. And of course, if any more money could be thrown their way. Well, the Calgary Board of Education meeting is today. We will no doubt be following up on that and talk more perhaps with you tomorrow. Thanks for the update, Lauren. Really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for having me. That's Global News reporter Lauren Pullen. And uh, the CBE not speaking out really and saying much of anything until the meeting today. It seems to be kind of the way that it normally is. But I I mean, what what are you going to do? It really is dependent on the province as well, as Lauren was saying. Budgets were tight before the pandemic. And now, as we know, uh, resources have been reallocated. So what does this exactly mean? And uh, I guess... I was always told, uh, you know, one of my favorite uh, quotes is don't worry about it until it's time to worry about it. So the speculation is going to run rampant. My wife works in education mm-hmm. and they do deal with budgets and they see, uh, you know, the material they're left with and, and, and how they can make things work. What cuts have to be made? Uh, what what is going to uh, what a classroom is going to look like as far as student sizes? So much. And yes, indeed. So today we'll hear stuff and we'll get some reaction. Uh, but the end of it will not come till the end of June. And then in this year. What does that mean? Because could we see a partial return? I know in BC, uh, they're reopening today. Schools are reopening. That's right. Under a different model, and I think it depends on the school system, but they might have staggered. So grade 7s go this day, grade 8s go the next, or it's different floors of the school, but they are open. 
and I'm not too sure about if that's a good idea with six weeks left mm. in the school year. But I'm not either. But it's, uh, it's, it's not it's our very province. It's, yeah, it's a very different uh, setup, and we don't exactly know what September will look like to begin with. And will there, as Lauren touched on, will they have to, you know, have more teachers because they have to have fewer students there in it is. each classroom? Boy, it's going to be an interesting hybrid, meeting. online and in the classroom. That might work too. We'll follow that up for sure with uh, uh, tomorrow after today's CBE meeting and give you more details as they come available. Here we are. Uh, what is it? Uh, since last Thursday, we had our uh, limited reopening for right. the city of Calgary and, of course, uh, the city of Brooks. How are our businesses that did uh, do their reopening doing and how are they faring? Well, with an update, we're joined by Sandeep Lali, president and CEO of the Calgary Chamber. Good morning, Sandeep. Good morning, Andrew. What are you hearing from those businesses that uh, took the leap and opened their doors a handful of days ago? Yeah, they went ahead with the you know key challenge of making their business viable while adhering to public health orders. And so early in the week, you know, we had heard not enough rules to open or clarification and then, you know, difficulty attracting staff back to work. Downtown was uh, revitalization was a challenge. Clothing stores there sitting on thousands of dollars of merchandise that, you know, need to be sold before fall inventories. Retail stores and restaurants, you know, generally not pushing to reopen, taking sort of that measured approach and the ones that did open um, often had told us about you know it was the PPE and the cost that they incurred mm-hmm. um, to, to open up but very slow traffic is what we heard the other part of it was you know it's the long weekend and so people were more inclined to visit with friends or families in their pods you know they're 15 people uh, as opposed to going out to consume so it was always going to be a slow start but the ones that took the leap you know they didn't say you know I wish I hadn't you know it's very very early days and I think as more come online on May 25th um, then you know things will start to fully make their way back but it all anchors back into consumer confidence we heard that again and again is how do we get, you know, that emotional stability back into the consumers to be able to come into the workplace and come into the retail stores and things like that? Sandeep, are business owners still, you know, looking towards potential financial help or more financial help as they begin to phase in more and more, especially as we look towards the 25th with, you know, cafes, barbershops, salons opening up? Yes, absolutely. We're hearing, um, you know, the cost is is extra in addition to anything they'd ever planned for around PPE, around the measures of refitting their establishments, you know, with screens and other things. So, yes, we are hearing, you know, we do need some financial support for that. And let's not make that be a deferral payment because, quite frankly, we have looking at a large balloon payment in October, whether it's on the property tax, um, on loans, or even if the wage subsidy goes away, you know, so for the personal protective equipment, they really are looking for something where the government helps them pay and bridge that. With May 14, we had a lot of, uh, you know, businesses ready to go, ready to launch on the sidelines. And obviously we heard the backlash from some of the restaurateurs who brought in the food and uh, for some of the salons who were ready to welcome clients back. Now, all eyes on May 25th. What are you hearing about how hard that date will be? Is this a guarantee that businesses will have that opportunity or is it still a wait and see? What, what do you tell businesses who have that question? 
Yeah, I think so. It's it is a wait and see, right? That's what the government, Alberta government, has always said is that, that public health comes first and foremost. And we've seen that the numbers are going down over the last few days and things like that. So there is that. So what we say is watch the numbers, uh, continue to plan accordingly. You know, get your task force together on COVID. Prepare your workplace, your employees, and customers. Uh, and then also prepare for those transactions as you increase consumer confidence. Many had done, you know, marketing around trying to get their consumer confidence back. So we're saying, you know, do all those things, but also know that, you know, it wasn't like lines of people for the com- com- restaurants and folks that were able to, you know, kind of be ready and then shut down. They had maybe prepared for lots of people as opposed to, you know, maybe half the capacity. So I think the measured approach on that is to say, you know, we're looking to service maybe 60 customers or something like that and then planning accordingly to that. That's a, that's one lesson that we've heard that, you know, to risk mitigate another, uh, you know, potential no-go on May 25th is they're planning for perhaps less of a turnout. Thank you again for joining us as you do each week, Sandeep. I always appreciate it. Yes, thank you very much. That's Sandy Blally, President and CEO of the Calgary Chamber. 618 on the morning news. We are two months into Canada's stay-at-home orders and social distancing. It's hard to picture how this will end. This new phase will likely bring about stress and confusion. We learn ways to cope with this from our next guest, occupational therapist and psychotherapist, Andrea Sadler. Good morning, Andrea. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking the time this morning. I, I want to touch base with you, uh, first of all, how uh, this could affect everybody in a different way or for sure uh, different ways for different people. It's not a one size fits all, is it? No, not at all, actually. It's, and I've, I've noticed in working with clients that actually um, initially when, when the lockdown came in, it was quite actually easy for people to settle into that. And now the anxiety is going up. Now the people are coming out of it and their own comfort level um, of how they're going to manage this change. So, Andrea, how do we make sure that we're ready for it, both physically and mentally? Well, I mean, I think a lot of it is about being kind to ourselves and understanding that we're all going to be different. Um, the world looks really different out there. Uh, people are wearing masks, they're wearing gloves. And so our comfort level with how it looks and how we're able to manage that is different for everybody. But we manage our behavior based on how the rest of the world looks and then we normalize it. So I think there are a couple of things that we need to to be aware of. Um, and one of them is that um, we have to learn to tolerate the unknowns that as we move into the world, um, there's going to be a lot of changes and we have to be able to to be grounded in our body and know that those changes we can tolerate. Um, And we have to be flexible in knowing that. Um, We have to do the things that um, we have control over. So not everybody is going to move into the world at the same pace. But if we need to feel that we have a sense of control, uh, we can know, uh, we can choose uh, to go back into the world the way we want. And we actually have that choice in most areas. If you want to go back into the grocery store, you can. If you want to order groceries, you can do that too. So it's about making choices. Um, it's also uh, really evaluating, and I think we've all, we've all had a chance to do that in this time on our own. It's like what's really important to us. And so as we sort of um, mitigate the anxieties that come up in a world that feels a little bit unsafe, we want to choose to kind of maximize 
uh, our efforts um, to the things that are very important. So if we're going to feel uncomfortable, let's make sure it's like according to our values. So if relationships is really important, let's move towards um, re-engaging in relationships. If going back to school is really important, let's engage in our education. Um, and then also uh, we can know that we actually have a lot of resilience. Um, we've actually done a lot already to adapt to this and sort of acknowledge that we actually have a lot of the strengths to do that. Um, and that is really about just kind of um, acknowledging and being peaceful in our own bodies. Andrea, how important is acceptance and understanding that maybe some family members, maybe my neighbor, maybe some coworkers might be on a different path than I am and might be willing to get out there more than I might be able to uh, be willing to get out there? Yeah, this is actually really interesting because one of the biggest things that I think I've been dealing with my clients is the agitation and irritation about the world around us not functioning the way we would function. And that actually, fair enough, uh, but it's actually quite unproductive. And so there's there's um, there's a sense of compassion for self and compassion for others, which is a, a big part of my practice is, is not spending a whole lot of time kind of wondering why Joe is doing this and I'm doing this that we recognize that everybody's doing what they feel is best for them at the time. Um, and so, you know, I think we also have to be really understanding and there's a lot of negotiations relationally that are happening where it should be really open with people and we have to be kind, like, I'm not comfortable with this right now. And I think we all have to be understanding about that. I think that's actually going to be a real challenge. And maybe we'll make us better humans on the other <laughs> side of this and a little more patient, right? I think there's a lot of good things that can come out of this. I mean, I think there is. I mean, I think anytime there's something that... Um, is, you know, is, is thrust upon us. I think there's always uh, good things that can come from it. We just have to be open to seeing those things. And I think, you know, uh, staying present and not mourning the past or kind of wishing, well, the future was supposed to be like this. Those are dangerous territories to get into. So if we acknowledge what we have with gratitude kind of in the here and now, but also an acceptance of like, this is really hard. Uh, and this is something that in my lifetime, I've only ever had to deal with once. Uh, and most of us hopefully will only have to do that once. And so if we can recognize what we've gained from it and take that into the world as it changes, I think, yeah, we can all become fuller, wholer people. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Andrea. Thank you very much for touching base. That is Andrea Sadler, occupational therapist and psychotherapist. For the estimated 2.1 million Canadians currently living with cancer, COVID-19 has provided a whole new set of challenges and really showed off some of the gaps in care right now. So to help bridge those gaps, there's a COVID-19 Cancer Patient Support Hub. To explain what's being done to help those with cancer in our country, we're joined this morning by Dr. Michael Smiley, medical oncologist and clinical research veteran with the Cross Cancer Institute in Edmonton. Good morning, doctor. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. So you and your fellow doctors, you saw a need, you've answered the call. Can you explain what this hub is and, and what's been created here? Well, this is a hub that was led under the direction of Kathy Bernard from Save Your Skin Foundation. And what she did was that uh, initially when COVID-19 came to Canada and there was an outbreak of cases, the biggest thing that was happening was fear and and the unknown or what was going to happen and so there's some initial um, fear that cancer patients would have a delay in their surgeries or their treatment and so what Kathy has done is she was getting a lot of questions from patients and so she's put this information hub together uh, with some of the physicians and other healthcare professionals to basically have uh, an online information session that patients can access and get some information about COVID, how their province is dealing with it and whether or not their cancer treatments may be affected. In addition, she's also even gone as far as arranging taxi service for patients who are isolated at home to take 
um, to bring them groceries or even to take them to appointments if they have to get into the cancer clinic. Dr. Smiley, can you give us an example of a few of the different participants, or I guess you'd say partners in the hub, uh, that a, a cancer patient might be able to access? The big thing is the mental wellness of patients, and this self-isolation and, and um, that we that's we're going through right now has created a great deal of mental stress on on families, patients, and especially patients who are undergoing cancer treatments. And so, if you look at their uh, website, she's got a whole. Um, part of the website that's dedicated to self-care and mental wellness. And you have both federal, you have provincial, and you have some private resources where patients can go on, access online help, or even if they have to call numbers, they can call these numbers and get some mental support. Doctor, have you been hearing from cancer patients who, I mean, it, I think it's stressful for all of us, but when you have, a, you know, a, a big medical condition that's sort of underlying on top of all this COVID stuff, are you hearing from a lot of patients saying we just need an extra bit of help here? We are, and lots of patients are actually calling in and, and they're afraid to come into the cancer clinic because obviously when you have large numbers of patients coming into a single institution, there's a fear that they could uh, catch COVID-19 at the health center. So they're, they're quite afraid of coming and, and they want some direction. And, and uh, so what we're doing is, is that we are doing a lot of telephone assessments. So patients are getting their scans, they get their blood work, and then we do either Zoom or telephone assessments where you can contact the patients and do an online assessment to try to minimize the visits into the cancer centers to decrease the risk of anybody contracting COVID-19. And I think patients are telling us that they're quite happy doing the telephone assessments. They'd rather do it by phone than actually coming in. Well, obviously, you're dealing with our province, talking about what's going on within our borders. I'm assuming this is an issue perhaps nationwide. Have you heard from any other partners in the different provinces that uh, similar uh, um, action is being ta- is, is taking place? It is, is that the other provinces are doing very similar things. They're doing lots of uh, bonus virtual visits. Um, Quebec and Ontario have been really hit the hardest, and, and uh, some of their surgeries, I believe, are being delayed. Um, but they're getting back up to um, full capacity, well, slowly getting back up to full capacity now for the cancer surgeries. Um, and so I think this this COVID-19 support system that Save Your Skin has put together is nationwide also, so it also helps other provinces. So how do folks get in touch? This is for people who have been fighting the disease, recently diagnosed, anyone and who has any form of cancer, is that right? It is, yes. Yes, and it's it's hard to it's it's hard to navigate all the information on the internet. And so, when I see melanoma patients, I always give them the, the SaveYourSkin.ca website information, and I tell them that there's lots of information there that will go through your disease. Uh, it's got a COVID-19 support program for it, and and uh, there's lots of online videos that they can watch. And so, um, it's very easy for them just to type it in, and then it's it's very easy to, to navigate the site. Doctor Smiley, thank you so much for your time this morning. Oh, you're welcome. That is Dr. Michael Smiley, medical oncologist and clinical research veteran, Cross Cancer Institute from Edmonton. I can't even imagine how difficult it would be. You're battling cancer anyway, whether it's a new battle or an ongoing one, and and you can't get your support systems. Maybe you're not able to go to some of your appointments. I mean, obviously, chemo and things like that, they continue during this pandemic. But it's nice now to have somewhere where you've got all the resources and everything sort of in one place. and You don't have to, you know, be confused as to where to look on the Internet. Well, you know, I've never had cancer. Knock on wood, fortunate. I know that so many people and everybody knows somebody who has cancer. 
but I can't even imagine in everyday life when I when I don't have answers the stress that it causes mm-hmm. uh, let alone to be having this battle ahead of you so that one-stop shop that information resource that's what it's all about as far as I'm concerned and at the same time uh, you know the pandemic and the stress it brings oh my on top gosh. of it all uh, we we have uh, talked to people in this building who have family members with cancers still going on the the uh, treatments have not been halted so there might even be to a lesser extent whatever your ailment may be this reticence to look for help to f- try to find some comfort and try to find a solution still open for business and if it's serious they're going to see you and they have the protocols in place because i know i've got a minor surgery for my ankle and there was oh i'm wondering well it doesn't matter because it's elective right who knows when that's going to happen but if you have to go, then what? That's the issue, right? You know, I think that's maybe one of the good things or probably a few that will come out of this pandemic that, you know, we've learned to sort of amalgamate things. So having an online hub across Canada for cancer patients, doesn't that seem like it should always have been there? Seems like a no-brainer, doesn't right? it? Right? Yeah. I mean, you know, telemedicine, we've really gone that route now. So I think there are a few positives that will come out of, you know, what we've been going for, going on with for uh, the past couple of months anyway. 649... May 23rd, that's the big day. Calgary Zoo reopening its gates, offering us a zoo venture experience. Joining us with the details, Allison Archambault, the zoo's director of brand and engagement. Hi, Allison. Good morning, Sue and Andrew. Thanks for having me today. Hey, super excited to talk to you because we are all pumped that the zoo is finally going to reopen for us and our children can run willy-nilly through the grounds once again. Or can they? Uh, They can run willy-nilly in a single direction. (laughs) Okay. We've got paw prints uh, that uh, families can follow through the zoo um, and uh, markers in front of animal areas so that you can be really comfy that when you're pausing to take a look at your favorite animals that you're going to be three meters apart from another household um, and with some increased sanitation, decreased total numbers, uh, we're confident everybody's going to have a really good time in a safe way. Just a perfect place to socially distance, Allison, which is great. Odd tweaks here and there, including, uh, you know, how you get in and your tickets. If you can break that down for us. Sure. So because we're going to um, have fewer people on site every day, uh, we're hoping to um, increase the speed with which people can get through the gates uh, when they come. And the way that we're going to do that is everybody, numbers and non-numbers, have to go to carizu.com to reserve or buy their tickets in advance of the visit. So there won't be any tickets sold on site. Um, when you come through Alberta Plaza, um, you'll move right through to our amazing guest relations team. They will scan uh, your ticket and move you on through there. Only our north entrance is going to be open. So lots of folks um, have experienced our west entrance before. That's the one that's right along the river. That's going to be closed right now um, with the goal, again, to uh, minimize touch points um, and get uh, people into the zoo and having a great time as soon as possible. None of our indoor buildings are going to be open for now. Um, and uh, that gives everybody a good opportunity to spread on out um, and enjoy the zoo in their own way, at their own pace. Just because we have time ticketing for people to get in um, at different times and spread them out doesn't mean that we're not wanting you to stay as long as your family uh, wants to or as short as your family wants to if your kiddos get uh, tired out. Um, most of our animals will be available for viewing if they choose to be outside. Sometimes they don't, or sometimes they're having a medical procedure and uh, and we're taking extra special care of them. The exception would be our giant pandas. Um, and Ershan and Dumal have begun quarantine in preparation for uh, their relocation back to um, China, where bamboo is abundant and local. Um, so folks won't be able to see them. 
Um, uh, but uh, we'll be providing some videos and, um, and some information before they leave. Well, we'll all be in quarantine together with the pandas then, so we can relate to that for sure. Talk to us about uh, the price to get in because it looks like uh, you've adjusted the hours and the pricing at the zoo. That's correct. So uh, to give everybody as much time as possible to get in, um, starting on the 23rd, we'll have members um, hour only from 8.30 to 9.30. And then the zoo is going to be open from 9.30 a.m. to 8 p.m. with the last entry being at 6 p.m. So lots of time to get in and enjoy things. Um, the prices have, have uh, been adjusted uh, for this period. So adults get in for 19.95, children get in for 9.95, and students and seniors get in for 17.95. Love it. CalgaryZoo.com. Thanks for joining us, Allison. Can't wait to get back. Have a great day. See you all soon. That's Allison Archambault, the Calgary Zoo's Director of Brand and Engagement.